Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to the Fortress of the Mind podcast. And in this podcast, we will be talking about an email that I received from a reader whose question basically revolves around the idea of whether we should pursue idealism or whether we we should pursue practicality when it comes to career choices and goals. Idealism versus practicality. What are the measure of each? What are the measures of each? What are the merits of each? And whether we should construct our lives around one or the other? And this is a great question. It's a very great very great question and one that occupies, I think, every man's life, no matter what age he is. doesn't matter what age he is, whether he's already on one career and thinking about changing careers, or whether he is still in school or still young and deciding which path to take in life. So let's first go through this email that I received and see what we can learn from it. And this is a gentleman from England, and he says, Dear Quintus, so it says, To Quintus, I was recently having a discussion with a friend on the subject of passions and dreams versus talents and regarding which one a person should ultimately follow. In modern times, we are taught that we can do everything and anything all at once. So what are your thoughts on following your dreams versus your skill set? For example, a person whose dream is to become a doctor but has little aptitude for clinical science but excels at finance. Would it not be a better investment in time to do just what they are good at? And he says, if one has a sense of purpose to a particular cause, then ultimately this would lead to an unfulfilling existence. Though on the other hand, one has to ponder if the effort of a constant uphill battle will be worth it. Does one have to realistically reflect on what they are good at and pursue those or with enough dedication a person can always achieve what they want out of life? Again, I'm just reading this as I got it in the email. So if there are grammatical and syntax errors, it's not me uh, missing words. It's I think the gentleman here is probably not a native speaker of English, but that's okay. No worries at all. So that's his question. The gist of what I'm understanding he's asking is when we are pursuing a career path or things to study or a goal to achieve, should we make that decision based on practicality, meaning what we think we can make a living at or think we can make money at easily, or should we focus on our dreams? This is the age-old question. This is the age-old question, and it's a good one because I've been recently reading a few things about just this very subject. So when I got this email, it ignited an interest in me to make a podcast out of it because I thought that uh, it was a good topic for discussion. What I'm going to first do is let you know what Cicero says about this, and I'm going to be reading right from On Duties because Cicero actually deals precisely with this question in his book On Duties, which, as you know, I recently released as a translation, uh, frankly, the best translation available in English. And you can find that on my site and also on Amazon. And the book's title is On Duties. And I'm going to read a little bit from his book, just a few passages that I think illuminate this question and point us in the right direction. And this is in book one. I'm in book one where he talks about moral goodness. And we're going to be first reading from chapter 31. Chapter 31, book 1. 
Let me just read these passages to you to shed some light on the on the answer. Cicero says, this is uh, subsection 114, book 1, chapter 31, subsection 114, it's page 84 of the, the paperback version. He says, everyone therefore should get to know his own character and become a pointed critic of his own virtues and deficiencies. Otherwise, actors may be seen to have more good judgment than we do. Actors do not necessarily choose the best plays, but rather the ones that are most suitable to their skills. Okay, moving on. On, on uh, in subse- uh, chapter uh, 32, subsection 117, he says, All these questions that we have explored in our search for what is proper should weigh on our minds and our thinking. For we must first decide for ourselves what sort of man we are, what sort of man we wish to be, and what type of life we want. Of all questions, this one is the most difficult. In adolescence, when the powers of deliberation are at their most feeble, a person decides that his profession should be the thing he loves most at that time. In this way, he is entangled in a certain profession and way of life before he is really able to judge what is best for him. And then he goes on to say in the next section, 118, the last few sentences, he says, For the most part, however, saturated with the worldviews of our parents, we are instructed by their behavior and their teachings. Others are carried along by the judgment of the multitude and opt for what the majority sees as most advantageous. A few, however, whether due to luck or to good character, follow the right path in life without having had any parental instruction. And then at the beginning of chapter 33, he says, Finally, there is the most rare type. These are the men who, either through superlative ability or incredible erudition and learning, or both, have the opportunity to select at will what path in life they wish to follow. The decision in this regard must hinge on each man's individual character. As was said above, we try to discover what may be appropriate for each man in accordance with his natural-born traits. This principle must be applied continuously in one's entire life as something to be adhered to, so that we can remain true to our natures for our entire lives and not waver in the performance of our responsibility. And I really think that's a great that's such a great quote because what Cicero really is saying here is that we have to put our nature first. If we have to make a decision between practicality and being true to ourselves, you should always try to be true to yourself first, if at all possible. Adhering to what is in your nature and adhering to what you are naturally inclined to do well is what the default position would be. The problem is, as he says, is that the way life is set up, very often you don't really know what your best skill is going to be until you're already deeply ingrained, maybe, in some profession that you never really wanted to be in because we were told by our parents to do something practical, quote-unquote practical. Well, very often what looks practical on paper, what parents or grandparents think is practical, turns out to be very impractical when you look at one's entire life spread out over time. So you can't just make a decision just based on what you think is practical at the moment. And I'll read one more section here. Again, this is chapter 33, book 1, chapter 33, section 120, where Cicero goes into a little bit more detail about career 
choices. He says, A man's personal nature possesses the greatest power when it comes to the selection of his calling in life. After nature comes fortune. Each of these is a major factor in choosing the type of life we lead, but nature's role is more influential. By a significant degree, nature is more steady, more unchanging. It almost seems that mortal fortune is carrying on a hopeless contest with immortal nature. Therefore, he who, is, he who has constructed his life's plan according to his own vice-free nature, as he ought to do, should hold firmly to this course, unless perhaps he realizes that he has erred in selecting the path he took. If this happens, and it sometimes does, a change in one's life course must be made. If external circumstances help this change, we will do it with more ease and convenience. If external circumstances do not help along such a change, then we must do it in a step-by-step gradual manner in the same way that, as wise men tell us, a friendship which no longer pleases us or serves any purpose should be dissolved slowly rather than terminated suddenly. Changing one's, one's course in life must be undertaken with careful deliberation so that we may be seen to have done it with due diligence. What a great quote. What a great quote that is and how true that is. It was true in 44 BC when Cicero wrote it and it is absolutely true now when we talk about career choices in life. Again, the default, the point here is the default position in our life should be what we are, we are best able to do. We should try to select a career or goals that matches what we are best able to do. In other words, if you find that you have a passion for art or that you have a passion for philosophy or if you have a passion for whatever, engineering, uh, computer science, you should try to do something that involves those skills. Because ultimately, you'll be happier in the long run if you do do that. Now, I'm not saying that you should be never mindful of practicality. I'm not saying that people should throw caution and prudence to the wind. I'm not saying that people should just, you know, go insane and just, uh, uh, you know, uh, pursue their goals without any thought at all to the future or, or with the ability to pay one's bills. But what I am saying is that if you feel strongly that you are inclined to a certain job or a certain type of skill, you should not let anyone dissuade you from doing that. You know, I have friends, I have a friend who is an artist, you know, graduated from a very, very good art school in Brooklyn, New York, and now he's in Europe and he does he still does his artwork, but he also does other things. He has things going on the side. He designs, uh, you know, uh, labels for wine. He has a, he, he's produced his own bottle of his own uh, uh, line of uh, wine. Uh, there's there's always ways to branch out. If you're doing what you really love to do, you'll find ways to make money doing it, and you'll be happier doing it. The worst thing that you'll ever see in the world is the the visage of the defeated, broken man who did what his parents told him to do, and he picked some career that he hates. Because ultimately, you're going to rebel from that. Sooner or later, you're going to reach a breaking point where you just can't take it anymore. If you hate math and you hate science, and you're stuck doing engineering because your Uncle Ernie told you that they had good starting salaries, that's no way to go. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Now, again... 
it's all about balance. There are times in life, there are times in life when we have to do what's necessary, even if it's not perfect, to pay the bills and to bring home the bacon. Sometimes you just have to do that, and that's fine. But you should try, you should always, if you are in that situation, you should be always angling to try to get yourself back into the career that you love to do and somehow do the things that you love. You know, I'm reminded of the examples, two great men, uh, Pierre de Pierre de Fermat, he was a Frenchman from the 16th century, and he was trained as a jurist, as a, uh, an attorney or a barrister and a judge. And I think he did it because his family made him do it. But his calling was always mathematics. He loved math, and, and he would come home from work, and in the margins of his books, he would explore mathematical subtleties. And he made some significant dis discoveries in mathematics. You may have heard of Fermat's Last Theorem. Uh, that's named after him. He made some other discoveries that I'm not precisely sure the nature of, but I know I remember from reading that he, he has made certain discoveries. Another one, um, I'm trying to think. I was just uh, thinking of the example. It's uh, it's escaping. Another example is the example of the artist um, Wassily Kandinsky, who I wrote an article about just yesterday, and you can find that on my website at qcurtius.com. And he was also educated as an attorney, as a lawyer. Or actually, he started law school in Russia back in the 1890s. And he eventually dropped out and went to art school. He became an artist and became one of the greatest artists in the 20th century. So sooner or later, your interests will out. Your interests will out. And I think you should try to construct your life around your interests rather than around what you think someone tells you what to do. It's a balance. It's a balance. I mean, I I think there's always going to be people that are going to misinterpret or misunderstand what I say and are going to think that I'm advocating you should just throw caution to the wind and, and just go join a commune and just uh, do basket weaving for the rest of I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is you should have you should have your pulse on practicality. You should have your finger on the pulse of practicality, but your vision and your gaze should be extended to idealism. Maybe that's the best way to analogize it. You should always keep your finger on the pulse of practicality. We all have to pay our bills. We all have to get along in the world. But your vision and your gaze, when you lift your head up and you look outward towards the horizon, that vision should be directed towards an idealistic goal that you truly believe in and that you truly know that you are good at. And Cicero would concur with that for the reasons that I've already given with those quotes that I've read. And you know, I was reminded of this same lesson today that I've always believed in and believed in for uh, you know a great deal of time. Uh, there was an article I was reading by a friend of mine, uh, James Maverick. He, he runs the website uh, mavericktraveler.com. And I've interviewed this guy a couple times um, for my weekly article at Return of Kings. And um, he's a great guy, very, very smart guy. He's traveled more than uh, anyone that I can think of. And uh, his most recent article here is, is uh, called something like, I think, let me, let me read it here. It says, the title of his article, How to Become Fabulously Wealthy with Nothing But the Clothes on Your Back. Um, 
Now, it's a very, very good article. It's not really so much about... Uh, it's it, Even though the, the, the title of the article sounds a little bit uh, like it's about making money, it's really more about choosing a career path or life path. And the gist of his point is that which really resonated with me because I really resonated with me because I was just talking about this same issue with somebody else a couple days ago. And I guess he just came out with this article today. Uh, He's talking about people that, uh, he says here in the article, people are full of self-hate. At least that's, that's the only way I can explain why they work at jobs they absolutely hate, jobs where they wouldn't hesitate to kill their boss for exploiting them if they knew no one would find out. Why do they do it? Because they feel they have no other choice. They feel that they just they feel that just because they receive pieces of paper with dead presidents on them, it's something they must do. Uh, he goes on to say, I continue to be baffled by such behavior because to me it doesn't make any sense. There's no justification for it whatsoever. That's like dating a mediocre girl while all along knowing that you deserve uh, much better. Uh, wealth is everywhere, but you must be willing to mine it. Okay. And basically, he goes on to say that you have to, you're not going to be successful at doing anything if you hate doing it. You have to be true to yourself. You have to pick what you want to do based on what your interests are. So, again, what uh, James Maverick here is saying is the exact same thing that Cicero was saying, just in a different way. And it's, again, it's, it's, a, it's a timeless lesson because the the objection to this attitude that the quote practical people are going to say is well you know if I just focus on what I like I'm how am I going to be able to pay the bills and I could get behind in life and and there's opportunity costs that you lose but you know what maybe maybe you're the people that say that are looking at the problem in the wrong way maybe it's just because life is so short that we should actually do the things that we love maybe it's because we have such a limited amount of time on this earth that we should not waste time doing things we hate. So you can turn that argument on its head. When people try to say, well, life is too short to go and do what you want because you got to be responsible and you got to do this and you got to do that. And again, I'm willing to concede. I, I've said it before. I said it a few minutes ago and I'll say it again. There are times in your life where you will have to go for the, the money. You have to go for the short-term dollars. Maybe you have a debt issue that you're trying to work through. Maybe you have uh, kids in school that you need uh, money desperately and you can't. It makes more financial sense to just stay the course temporarily for a couple of years. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone has to make his or her own decision. But again, pulse on practicality, vision on idealism. Pulse on practicality, vision on idealism. Remember that that balance. That's the right balance. You should be mindful of practical dollar issues, but you should always be looking for a way somehow to turn your passion into a career. And it's just so true because, you know, I remember when I first started writing and even after I started writing, there were always people who would say, well, they, you know, they, they would try to tell you how to write. They say, well, you've got to write this way. You've got to dumb it down. You've got to tell people your listicles. You've got to your listicle articles. And, and, um, and anyone who's read my blog knows that I don't do listicle articles. I don't, I don't write bullshit. I don't write clickbait. You know, I want you to be better than that. I want to, uh, to invoke greater ideas, greater principles. And the way to do that is with greater language. If you speak like shit, 
and you think like shit, everything that comes out of your mind is going to be shit. So I don't do that. I don't do that. I wanted to write a certain way. I wanted to write about the things that I wanted to write about. And it's been very successful. It's been very successful because I didn't listen to the people that said, oh, you got to write about, uh, you know, game and you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to, you know, tell people uh, the bullshit they want to hear. And, you know, I don't do that. I don't do that. And when you do what you were put on this earth to do, you will do it better than anyone else. The type of books that I write, I do them better than anyone else. I do them better than anyone else. There's no one out there who can do what I can do and produce the type of book that I can produce. And that's just a fact. I'm not bragging. It's just the reality. And that situation exists because I wrote about the things that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about history, philosophy, classics, ideas, and that's what I write about. I also am fascinated about struggle, about conflict, about overcoming obstacles, about breaking through barriers. And those are the things that I write about. I like to write about conflict, about achieving victory, about coming back from disasters. I like all those things. And that's what I write about. I don't care if someone says, well, that's not, you're not monetizing that. You, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put more ads on your site. You gotta monetize. No, I don't do that. I don't do that. Those aren't the things that I'm interested in. But that's what provides the passion. And there's no one that generates the content that I do on a consistent basis. You know, no one else has had the unbroken uh, track record of performance. For example, my, my column at Return of Kings, I've never missed a single week in three years. Go back and check. Nobody else can say that. Nobody else even comes close. I put out quality articles on my site uh, every, practically every other day. Okay, look, go look and see. And you know, I'm very proud of that. And it, I'm able to maintain that pace and that level of intensity because it's, I'm writing about the things that I like. And you should do the same thing. If you have a passion for beekeeping, for uh, fishing, for mining, for uh, you know, playing poker, for constructing houses. You should write about that. You should find a way to turn your passion into something. And that's my message. That's my point. That's my point. We have to find ways to combine practicality and idealism. And at the end of the day, like Cicero says, the Deciding factor should always be on us being true to our own nature. Idealism should always be the default rule because life is too short to do anything otherwise. <clears throat> you have to make idealism the default rule. However, don't just cut all tethers and let your balloon float in the breeze. Have your finger on the pulse of practicality. Remember, gaze on idealism, pulse, finger on the pulse of practicality. And if you can keep that general principle in mind, you'll be doing well and you'll go far. So I hope that answers the question that the uh, email writer who emailed me from England uh, asked. And I hope I've been able to shed some light on that. 
That will conclude our podcast here at Fortress of the Mind. And if you want to get a copy of my book on duties, you can find a link to it on, my, on the homepage of my website. It's on the right hand side of your screen. Just click on that and it'll take you right to Amazon. And the book is packed not just with the things that I just read, but with hundreds of other subjects. It's going to be a classic. And until next time, I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night.